Well, I want to welcome you to the very first episode of the DLF Podcast, and I'm your host, Trent Murray, a GM of the Cardinals, and I'm excited to be joined every week with our commish, Andy Barnes, also general manager of the Chicago Cubs. And uh, this evening, we have a special guest, general manager of the Atlanta Braves, uh, Brett Cook. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, Trent. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Uh, how about you, Brett? I'm also doing good, man. Just hanging out, watching the yeah, Cowboys. Watching some Sunday Night Football. Hopefully, we uh, we end on a good note here. But, um, man, I was excited about this idea, Andy. Uh, I'm, I think it's going to be a pretty good little opportunity to just chat about DLF, talk about the league. Um, I don't think this will be much of a podcast where we discuss like in-depth numbers of fantasy in general. There's plenty of podcasts that do that. This is really just a, a, a time for us to discuss our league, you know, the state of the league, the, uh, the, the specific matchups that are happening, uh, just to kind of bring it home to what we're looking at every single week on fan tracks, what we're uh, encountering in conversations with one another, uh, just kind of as it applies to the league itself. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't want to host a podcast and give away all my secrets. So this is more yeah, about centric information. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I felt too. Like I don't want to dig too deep on some of this stuff because uh, I can't show my hand. And so, yeah, we'll definitely be breaking down some thoughts and, uh, and uh, matchups and uh, trades and things that happen in the league. And so I'm just really excited about this uh, new chapter uh, for a podcast for uh, DLF. There will be many guests, uh, guest GMs in the coming weeks. And so I'm excited to, to get started. And one of the biggest changes this year, obviously, in, in a season where it seemed like everything was different, uh, one of the biggest changes this year was a platform change. We made the switch from being an ESPN center league uh, to being a fan tracks league. A uh, huge shout out to Shelby for, for helping make that happen and, and the Man, it, it, I really personally enjoyed it. At first, it took a little bit of a learning curve, uh, but really just wanted to kind of bounce the ball around and, and see what your thoughts are on this. And Andy, you're in and Brett as well. Y'all are both behind the scenes on this. I was kind of outside looking in, but um, just your, what are y'all's thoughts on fan tracks and, and, and the switch? Well, I, I'm a fan. Um, I've hosted a league on here before that is now defunct, but um, I'm familiar with it. I know the uh, capabilities have grown since I last used it. And I think it's a really good platform for us to hold all of our stuff together. One of the big concerns that, we, that we've always had was just the amount of processing that the LMs have to do on a daily basis to keep the spreadsheet up to date. We would have, you know, we have six league managers and we're rotating days running all the transactions. And um, this really helps to lighten the load so a lot of us can get on with our, you know, real life first mentality and focus on the team play and not necessarily the league manager stuff. So I think it's a good change in that direction. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, what was the league that you had on Fantrax? Because I think, didn't I join that for a season? Yeah, Real Deal that Baseball. the Pirates, Real Deal. Man, because yeah. was- one thing I really enjoyed about that league was you had a Rule 5 draft, and that was so sick. Like, Yeah, it was – um. It was a big project that, that it, it took a lot to run. And, um, I mean, it was a 2014 league. Yeah. So it's, it's big. It just petered off because we lost enough managers after the second season where it was just 
it was too hard to get the kind of interest into something that deep. Honestly, your fan tracks has been, in my opinion, just really attractive. And uh, uh, it was an attractive option uh, for our dynasty football league as well. So we've moved there in that, uh, that league. And I mean, what are your, what were your thoughts on this, Brett? And, and uh, just kind of get behind the scenes thoughts on this and uh, love to hear. It. So going into this, I, I have never been the biggest fan of fan tracks going into this. Over the last few months in this league, it's grown on me a little, and I can see that it could grow on me in a full season. So, that's that's good for a lot of people who don't know because you know the, the behind the scenes stuff that we talk about as league managers. You know, there's been a good mix of, you know, do we like it? Do we not like it? Are we? Is this permanent? Is it not permanent? Like, what's the options? How do we run everything? So it's been a learning curve for a lot of us. I'll tell you that for me, the biggest bonus, um, you would think that it would be maybe the contracts on there, kind of the blending of the spreadsheet. Um, but for me, I think my favorite feature is the fact that the miners are in one place and, and that you don't have to go to a master sheet to search anymore. If I'm looking to see if a miners player is owned as I'm uh, prepping for off season draft or first year player draft, things like that. Like I, I, can go and search people on fan tracks in one location uh, and, and keep a watch on them. Like, a you know, I flag them. I don't know what it's called, but watch them watch list. And like, it's, it's so nice. I know um, in ESPN, the best you could do is, you know, have a watch list of like 30 something people and you didn't even have enough to watch all your minors players. And so this is really cool to see who owns them, where they're at and uh you can see the transaction history. You can see where they've been traded in this league. Even So yeah, I, I really, really enjoy it. And like another thing with ESPN, like only recently have they started like actually widening their player database for when we first started the league, you would only be able to find players that were either had at bats or innings pitched in the pros or were on the 40 man roster as far as in their player database. Mm -hmm. so you yeah. wouldn't even be able to track or watch list, you know, a ball guys at all. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a huge bonus in my eyes. You know, let these guys know what y'all think and uh, let Andy know. Let the we'll be holding know. open discussions about it in the winter. Yeah. I will give it my uh, stamp of approval, but maybe I'm just uh, a too, too much of a go with the flow guy, but I just really enjoy it. And I was, I was hesitant at first. It took learning curve, but I really, I really like it now. So we move on to this next section here let's talk about some standout trades in our league and maybe difficult to to think of some of those it was a relatively quiet deadline uh in our league just like a, it was kind of a quiet deadline around baseball other than the padres uh, demanding all of twitter's attention uh for a few days but it was Pretty quiet. Not a lot of big name guys moved. I think even in real life, there was only uh, Tremel was the only top 100 guy moved at all, and he was lower down. Uh, and so, just not a lot of action. And I think in our league, that was reflected as well. There weren't any blow your mind blockbusters. Um, but you know, I, I'll let you guys start, and I have a, a one to talk about here in a minute. But what were some standout trades from our deadline that you? Uh, really were impressed by or thought made an impact? Well, you know, 
I love how this league simulates the real MLB, but when it comes to a really quiet deadline, that's the part I wish was different because the mirroring of that is like, I get it. It's a, it's a short season. The deadline falls later in the season because of it. So there was a lot less blockbusters. People weren't fire selling their teams. They weren't trying to trade for that superstar with two weeks left in the season. It was very mild. There's a lot of prospects being moved. Um, a lot of um, players are shedding contracts. So I, mean, I don't have any specific standouts. Um, there are a couple players that I thought were acquisitions for some guys. Elzale, um, for example, uh, who the Giants got from Pittsburgh, that's a pretty good pickup for him. I think that's going to be a solid pitcher. Um, Trammel was moved. You know, that's a good that's a good trade right there too. It's just some guys were key trades, but not every trade was stellar. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on the DLF deadline, uh, Brett? I thought that the the trade that stuck out to me the most as I looked at near the deadline, it was actually a few days before, and I tried to get Dominic Smith that morning as well, but I was not willing to pull the trigger on the, the two prospects that were asked about. But um, the Giants and the Phillies made this trade. The Giants traded Max Meyer from this past first-year player draft, their offseason first next year, Minnesota's offseason first to, to Philadelphia, and they received in return Dominic Smith, who's – was killing it. I mean, he's been killing it this year. Bobby Dalbeck, and then they also received Philly's offseason third and Philly's fifth. So, pretty big trade. Uh, Dominic Smith is definitely an RFA candidate. Probably will be end up being his RFA candidate if he doesn't have anybody better. But that stuck out to me as the best trade. I would say uh, the trade that kind of I think has the biggest – possibility of impacting this year's playoffs was the trade uh, where Cody uh, in Milwaukee acquired uh, Patrick Corbin from Eric in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I, I was um, in discussion on Patrick Corbin at some points in the last the couple of weeks as I'm kind of thinking long-term. Um, and, and I will tell you, I was very hesitant to acquire Patrick Corbin uh, his metrics are concerning to me this year, and I'm not just going to have a Patrick Corbin bash party. Uh, he's had, you know, a stellar few years. and, and um, But as of this season, I mean, his exit velocity is through the roof. He's getting hard hit uh, like crazy. His expected ERA is through the roof. Um, his strikeouts are down. His swing and miss, like his whiff rate is down. His fastball velocity has fallen several ticks uh, and his spin rate is going down. The only thing that he's doing well this year is he's still not giving up uh, a lot of barrels, which is just a stat that kind of compiles launch angle with a uh, uh, hard hit rate, so to speak. Um, but I say all that to, to say I was hesitant as I'm looking long-term, but in a short term uh, move here, I think, that Corbin could make a difference for uh, the Brewers. And, and I think he already has, you know, when we look at this week alone um, in the playoffs, uh, he had a, a start where he went seven innings and he got eight strikeouts and um, 
his ERA, his ratios were good. And I think that's a guy that, you know, he paid a premium. He, he gave up uh, Tremel, he gave up Tucker Davidson and a player to be named later. We don't know what that is. We'll see uh, later in, in the off season, but um, you know, he gave up some, some solid prospects to get a guy who is, you know, maybe towards the downslope of his career as he's, you know, 31. He's still got some years left in him for sure. And in 2020 is a weird year. Um, but I just think that there's, he's, he's moving in the wrong direction with a lot of metrics unless there's an underlying issue or an injury that just kind of concerned me that he's maybe hit a wall or a cliff that um, in the long run, um, he may not be happy with that contract in a couple of years, but flags fly forever. And if, uh, you know, we've already celebrated Cody got his, his first playoff appearance uh, since being a manager in the league. And, um, you know, he, he looks to be sealing the deal on a win in the first round and moving on. And so, uh, you know, he, Corbin can make a difference for this team down the stretch. He can put together a solid couple of weeks. I, I have to agree with you on that. That's a, a good way to look at it for sure. So Brett, um, will you tell me what's one trade that you made specifically you were kind of really happy to see come to fruition. Well, in telling this, the whole league may hate me. So this is what I did. I, uh, I was, it was week five, the week before division play. I was playing in the Giants division with the Padres, the Mariners, and the Dodgers. And I was really thinking midweek by what was happening to my team offensively, um, against the Dodgers they were just killing me and I recognized man if I don't if I don't take if I don't take away his pitchers I'm gonna lose so I had Xavier Edwards I asked if he had Kyle Gibson and Arietta still on his block because he had posted that a couple days later or before and he said yeah but uh it's gonna cost you um Xavier Edwards and I was like okay well let's just take off Arietta. and what about Kyle Gibson thinking okay well he's only going to have one starting pitcher left he's still not going to make the inning pitch limit with just one and uh, basically we ended up talking down to Xavier Edwards ultimately and um, he missed the innings pitched by I want to say three, three outs, maybe it was four or five, but I mean, it was really close and I ended up winning seven, five, two, but I realized like three hours after I made that deal that it wasn't just going to help me out. It was going to help out every owner in my division who played against the Dodgers because that happened. But and one for the Dodgers because they got Xavier Edwards, who could end up being D Gordon in a couple of years. And it gave me – I ended up winning all my matchups that week. But, yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, – well, thanks for sharing the uh, thought behind the process. It's, um, yeah, if you think about it, the three big dogs in the South Division all made the playoffs. And if those pitchers had pitched for the Dodgers – you weren't guaranteed to get the win and make the playoffs, but neither were they. It could have completely changed the landscape of the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, I hope y'all don't hate me, but trading two hundred one right there. 
I did what I did to look out for old number one here, you know. Next year, next year when you're uh, getting a whole bunch of offers for your starting pitchers, uh, and you're like, why are they interested in these pitchers? Like, they're fringe guys. And you're you're going to realize, wait, I see what they're doing. You know, they're giving me a taste of my own medicine. It, Andy, you know, you want to talk about any specific moves you've made? I mean, I – kind of got me on the spot there. I don't really want to give away too many of my secrets. Um, I've, I knew early on that this wasn't going to be a year for me to really compete towards the playoffs. So I, I really wanted to focus on um, just building up my team, or, you know, for next year. My window's really, really close. So, you know, like making a trade where I traded away Alfaro earlier on the season to get um, Royal Muto from Kansas City. Yeah, in doing so, I, it, it, it was a big trade. I mean, he got a draft pick out of it. He got Glassnow, McCann, and Alfaro, and um, Herman, who's, uh, who's suspended. I got Real Muto, Iovaldi, and Walker, which was great for me. It helped my rotation. But I really liked the fact that I was able to flip Walker later and get Trevor Rogers and DJ Peters out of it. Yeah, that was um. I think my young pitching staff having acquired Dunning and Peters to go along with AJ Puck and um, Ian Anderson is going to be really threatening a lot of teams next year. I thought your acquisition of Cronenworth was really good too, man. That was part of yeah. the Dunning trip. Yeah, I mean, I got rid of Sun Gray in that one. You know, that's I spent a lot of money getting him, and you know. Um, Robbie Ray, this you know, off season, like whether it be trade assets or free agency dollars, and by week two, having played you know how many games we played per week for this season, I was in a spot where I just had to I had to do something. So, well, I mean, yeah. if you look at Cronenworth's metrics, they are through the roof. They're disgusting. He's good. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Andy. I don't want to divulge too much of my uh, philosophy, but it was, you know, obvious to the rest of the league that after the first week or so, I had some major injuries to my pitching staff and really thought this was the year I was going to start pushing forward. And that, that window got pushed back with some injuries. And, um, you know, I, I really kind of – what I tried to do this year was take advantage of the pressure cooker season that we were in. And so I think my biggest moves happened far before the deadline because what I was doing was realizing that in a pressure cooker situation where every week as you've got you know, four or five matchups that are really, really important, you lose a guy to injury and it just feels like the end of the world. Um, and so I just feel like I got a really good value on some guys um, that, that were really struggling out of the gates. Um, that were maybe given up on, and I don't say given up on, you know, they didn't just give them away, but I definitely got them at what I would consider discounted prices that a year ago, those guys wouldn't have even been moved. You know, I'm, I'm looking at acquiring guys like I got Eugenio Suarez who hit 49 homers last year and uh, he struggled out of the gates. But since I've acquired him, he's hit lights out, you know, in the last two weeks, he's hit over 300. His OBP is 340. His slugging is 783. That's an OPS over, you know, 1100. He's got six bombs, 15 RBIs, and eight runs in the last two weeks. And so, you know, a guy like that, that kind of I was trying to shape my roster with uh, 
guys who really were struggling at the beginning and weren't helping their teams win when it really mattered. And, and I could, you know, go and acquire guys like Suarez. I got Adalberto Mondesi, who's got a seven game hit streak with some, he's got four homers in the last uh, week or so. And, um, you know, go get guys that were really struggling and just see what happens, you know? And, uh, I think that is one benefit of a season like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, Aaron judge was another one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's not helping Cody, you know, is in a situation where he needs Cody needs to win he, his window where he feels like he needs to compete. And, you know, he didn't just, he didn't give him away by any means. I, I traded drew waters, but I just was looking right. at my outfield and going, you know, I've, I've got a crowded outfield with crowded outfield prospects coming in the next couple of years. And so I, I'm like, I'll, I'll make that move, you know? Yeah. Drew waters is a top 20 prospect, but, you know, judge when he's healthy can be just absolutely elite. And so, you know, right. taking taking a chance on those guys and, and seeing what happens in the long run. And it's, you know, it's also good that judge isn't on, you know, his RFA contract or his, when he actually meets free agency, he's still in arbitration. So he's only $7 this year. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't, I don't believe he'll meet his limits. And so he'll get, he'll actually stay on $7 next year as well. Yeah. For, for. I believe. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to have his, his service time this year. So he won't progress in a season forward, which lines up really well for you. So when he does become a free agent, your, your franchise tag will, will be freed up. Yeah. And that's kind of my thing is I'm going to franchise tag either Gallo or judge. And then I'm looking at an RFA on the other one and trying to keep those guys around for the long haul. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I traded, uh, Dane Dunning and Anthony Kay for Willie Calhoun. And that one may be perceived as a really uh, a loss for me, the way Dunning is pitching. and um, I just had issues with Dunning's strikeout rates in the minors, but he's done well. He's struck out a lot of batters at, at the big league level. So maybe he's turned a corner there. And, uh, and I just really believe in Willie Calhoun. I think once he gets uh, healthy, um, I think he's just going to hit. And so he was another guy who's young and controllable who I could have in my outfield with those bigger contracts that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years. And I went with it. So I was going to say, Trent, you can talk to me when you send uh, Wander Franco for Dallas Cackle. Ouch. Yep. I love that one. <laughs> I hate myself. So um, let's talk about the uh, first round of the playoffs a little bit. We got a, uh some expected outcomes and some surprise happenings throughout the uh, course of the week. I think the most interesting matchup for me was the Astros and the Mets. Uh, Really disappointed that the other matchups weren't uh, closer and more competitive. I think there were some categories that could have swung either way in in those other matchups, but even then they were kind of lopsided, but the Astros and the Mets, they were, it was a competitive matchup all week. It was was something I was uh, tuned into and, and checking out. I just think the Mets uh, fell short on the pitching side of things. You know, the Mets were tied for first in uh, in runs. Um, they were third in RBIs. They led uh, this week in average uh, and OBP. Um, slugging uh, was not as good for them, but still, they they were doing really well offensively. But when you come to their uh, their pitching stats, they were last. You know, they were last in strikeouts. Um, they were middle of the pack in wins. Uh, they, they only were able to muster two uh, saves uh, on the week. And, and so it's just, it's one of those things where, um, 
maybe Houston slipped a little bit this week. I, maybe I feel like going in, I didn't expect it to be close. If you were going to tell me one of these matches was going to be lopsided, um, I really thought the Astros were going to um, to dominate. And so it was a good it was a good matchup all the way around. It was it was uh, fun to see, and uh, and the Mets they did well. Just needed some pitching help in, in the Astros' advance. Definitely. I mean, uh, going I think going into Saturday's matchup, Houston had a pretty good lead in the in the series, and then the Mets came out with ten runs, three home runs, twelve RBIs on Saturday alone. I mean, Abreu had a day and a half. He had seven RBIs by himself. Wow! And that brought it back up to where actually going into Sunday, the Mets had the lead, but then you know, disaster struck for the Mets in their pitching on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like um, Chad Cool just imploded. Two innings pitch with a thirty-four ERA. The matchup that I was looking at the most was my matchup, and man, I got to give it to to Josh Moody. I texted him today because we're best buds in real life, and um, he beat me in one offensive category in runs, tied me in home runs. And then I beat him in all the other five offensive categories and RBI, stolen base, average, on base, and slugging. And so the RBI was close. The stolen bases were close. I dominated in the um, stat line for, you know, average, on base, slugging. But um, pitching, I, I just – I dominated them in that. And – the thing is, is I just got a lucky week, you know, and that happens. It's fantasy baseball. I mean, having um, Pineda get 16 strikeouts for you with two starts in the week is not going to hurt. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. So um, we actually have a pretty big announcement to make coming out of the uh, league manager's office. So, uh, Brett, do you want to maybe take it over from here? With the move to Fantrax and – the spreadsheet that we were processing with um, and moving to fan tracks, there's less of a need for league managers because it takes less processing. And um, me and Andy have had con conversations over the last year. Life has gotten busier for me and being, becoming a dad and, I process in four leagues. I haven't been processing as much in the fantasy football league as either, but um, I will be stepping down as a league manager after this season is over. It's been, it's been cool. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being a league manager in this great league. I'm glad that Andy came to me and asked if I wanted to resign as a league manager because I really needed it. But uh, I love this league, and I'm in here for the long haul, and I'm excited about the future. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I want to thank you personally because, you know, when we started the league and it was me, Kyle, and Brian Thar that were running everything, it was pretty easy, pretty straightforward. We had a lot of, you know, the processing wasn't as heavy-duty as it is now. And then, we, you know, we brought on – I believe we brought on you and Trent as, like, assistant LMs when stuff stepped, you know, started getting – harder and harder to do and then you and Trent filled the roles that they vacated and have helped me run this league and 
I've had a lot over the last couple of years as far as schedule conflicts with being an everyday presence for the league. And you guys really helped to step up and fill that role for me. So I really appreciate your time in doing so. Um, but yeah, moving forward, we're going to just have three league managers. Uh, it's going to be me, Trent, and Ray. Um, Josh and Shelby are also going to be stop, stepping down. But um, if needed, we can call upon them to assist or you know, chime in with a, a tiebreaker vote of some sort between the league managers. Um, so I just want to thank all of them, too, for you know, the time that they've spent to kind of make this league what it is. It's uh, going up. This will be the end of the eighth season. So I just echo that for sure. You know, I thank you, Brett, for all the time you put in over the years. And um, as someone who is a commission in a football league, I know baseball even has even more moving parts. And so I'm thankful that I can just be a guy. I can just be a guy in this league. I can look at my roster. I can love my roster and, and my, you know, what I need to do to prepare to be uh, successful in this league. And um, I'm thankful for you guys who put in the extra time and who've done all that. And just to clarify for, if you're listening, they're talking about uh, Sherman. They're talking about Sherman. Uh, he, he is the league manager. I'm Trent over in uh, St. Louis. And so uh, big thanks to Trent, Sherman, Ray, and you, Andy. We're appreciative of you guys as you're uh, continuing to take that gauntlet forward and, and, uh, you're continuing to keep our league great, man. You know, with the lighter load of processing um, being present is to kind of just bring things like this to the league. Um, I'm going to be unveiling a newly revamped spreadsheet um, once it comes time for rollover. The um, Pro Board site's going to get a, a bit of a facelift. A lot of the stuff that we do on there isn't necessarily needed to be posted or done on there anymore. So it's just going to be streamlining everything um so yeah with this podcast what are we doing trying like once a week is that what you want to do yeah i think the plan is once a week uh, until roster rollover and then we'll kind of come back for a, a winter meeting special and then uh, as the season uh gets in full swing next year we'll, we'll probably go back to about once a week kind of like your monday update that you've been doing and i uh, just kind of in podcast form Yep, and I, I feel like this could will basically replace the Monday email update. I hate sending wall of text emails, and even though it's, I do it all the time, um, so this would kind of replace that. But uh, before we sign off for the night, do you guys want to maybe take a look forward at the playoffs? We got Brewers versus Rays, Braves versus Astros. Now, Brett, we're going to exclude you for a moment because I know who you're going to pick in one of those. But uh, Trent, do you want to name who you think is going to go to the World Series? Yeah, yeah, I um, I think I think the Braves are going to take the Astros in a really, really closely contested um, matchup, and I think the Rays have a slight edge over the Brewers. But um, if I could just selfishly say I'm rooting for the Brewers, and that's just for uh, I don't know how you'd put it, but I, me and me and Cody connected on several trades this year for some rental guys to help him out. And, uh, man, it's good for my stock, too, if he wins this year. And uh, it's like, man, that, that stuff that Trent's selling over at the deadlines, that, you know, it's, it's worth some stuff over there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Cody. I think the Rays have a slight advantage. Um, if, I had to, if, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'm, I'm thinking uh, it's going to be Braves race. So, uh, Brett, we know you're going to pick yourself over the Astros. You don't even – you can save the breath. But as far as if you were to beat the Astros like you think, 
Who do you think you'll be facing? The Rays, just because there's so much stability. I mean, you have Ronald Acuna in that lineup, and it doesn't stop there, of course. But, I mean, when you have Acuna as a you know solid piece on your lineup. Uh, personally, um, between you and the Astros, it's like, you know, you guys have both won. Shelby's the, you know, reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the league, basically, at this point. I think he's that wily veteran who's going to come through with some crazy free agent to get the extra start against you and, and beat you in the, in, next week. I think it's, it's really hard to count him out. Uh, he has this, this skill of just getting the right, benching the right guys at the right time. So that's going to be really hard to overcome. However, I really want him to lose in the World Series because the Brewers and the Rays are both their own Cinderella stories. Cody's first playoff appearance, Simon finally getting past that hump, and like he's been so consistent every single year, and he's just had to face off against Shelby the entire time, and now with you in the Division II, um, I want one of them to win because I like that kind of story. Um, I think, though, I think Simon's going to beat Cody. I think it's going to end up being Astros Rays to uh, further that rivalry that they've already been having for eight years. But I don't think I made the championship in this league. I inherited a team who the former owner won a couple of championships. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking to get my first. I don't have anything else. I'm really excited uh, for, for week two of the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch. And good luck to all of you guys. And, and for the guys going home, congratulations. And in the 20-team league, making the playoffs is, is – uh, just a, a great accomplishment. And uh, so well done there, guys, and uh, good luck to those who are on in round two. Brett, you got uh, one last thing for us? Yeah, Trent, I wanted to let you all know, I let the league know a few weeks ago that I started on the Dynasty Gurus website, and I made a couple appearances on there through some of their stuff, and I actually – have permission to begin my own writing series on there called dynasty divorces where we look at top 100 prospects on all different websites and see prospects who have dropped on list and so with that i also asked the senior baseball writer for the dynasty guru if i could begin a podcast that really digs in to the two prospects that we look at. All right. Well, that sounds great. So yeah, you guys, you guys make sure to check that out. And it's awesome to see one of our guys over on the dynasty guru. I know I've benefited from their work for uh, several years. Well, you know, not too much. I haven't been too successful in the league, but uh, I've enjoyed reading uh, their stuff over there for sure. Well, that's going to do it for the first episode of the DLF podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Trent. I'm here with Andy and Brett. We thank you so much for your time listening and good luck to everybody in round two.